Good evening, afternoon, night, morning, whenever you find a way to watch or listen to this podcast. It is me, Omar, again. And again, another non-hardware podcast as as I wait I wait uh, for Jackson to return from his honeymoon. I feel like I'm the bride waiting for Jackson. It's kind of funny how that works out. But anyway, he'll be back soon. We'll be back in the swing of things. But until then, I mean, just doing some uh, some side podcasts now uh and, and i mean this is this is a gentleman that i owed a podcast uh, to after after one of one of my merchandise given giveaways my collectible giveaways and i'm so glad to have him on the podcast a rutgers fan you know and i i mean we got we got maddie waters um a, a rutgers fan that that we follow each other and it's funny because as a kid we we're talking beforehand as a kid i wanted to beat rutgers so bad as an army fan but it just never worked out and then Come in the 2010s when Army gets good and Rutgers is, you know, is bad in the Big Ten. I'm like, man, what I'll give to play Rutgers. But no hard feelings here. Maddie, thanks for joining. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Rutgers fan. I also uh, grew up, I basically picked Rutgers on my own as become a Rutgers fan, even though I've graduated from Rutgers. I have uh, two bachelors in my my MBA from Rutgers. My wife went to Rutgers. She has her undergrad and law degree from Rutgers. So, you know, we're we're full of full of Rutgers in this house. And that's why my son goes to University of Delaware. And um, basically, you know, I, I'm just a huge college football fan. It's always probably been my my first favorite of, of football watching over the NFL. You know, we got to know each other through the USFL. Um yeah where I have a little bit of a general shirt on for oh, you today. So I, I was a, you know, season ticket holder 80, you know, for the 83, 84, 85 seasons, you know, when I was in middle school and that's when I really fell in love with the game of football. Um, you know, I'm the son of a high school football coach. So, you know, I grew up, you know, being taught the game by my father. So I always, you know, enjoyed it. And it's kind of, I graduated college just as he retired from teaching and coaching. So we started going to Rutgers together had just built the stadium they had torn down the old uh, WPA stadium that was pseudo high school in look um, and built the bones of what is today's Rutgers uh, stadium now SHI and my father and I started going and that's when my fandom probably really started to ratchet up um, with Rutgers I actually uh, served on the executive board of the Rutgers touchdown club which is kind of like the booster organization to the football program from 2002 to about 2013 um, you know, and it's, I love football. I love my, my school and, you know, it's just brought two passions together and, you know, I've just enjoyed it. And, and, you know, I always loved playing the academies. Um, I have a great army story for you. If this, I think is 98, it happened, um, two, two young cadets snuck over to the scoreboard area, climbed up to the top of the scoreboard and then hung an army banner over, the where it said Rutgers on the scoreboard and then a New Jersey State police officer walked over and basically motioned for the two of them to get down and you could see the look on the commandant's face of knowing he had to come over and basically you know kiss this guy's uh rear end to make sure these two kids didn't get cuffed and put in the car <laughs> and so everybody was just screaming you know like the uh, full metal jacket, like private pile, what are you doing on my scoreboard? I mean, it was, it was quite hilarious of, of a moment. And then we saw some cadets walking out. We asked what was going to happen to the two guys when they got back. And they just said, they'll be walking a very long time for having to, for having to do that. We were just like, Oh, that sucks. But yeah, I always enjoyed Rutgers and army games and Rutgers Navy games. Cause I always thought it was the schools were always had a good collegiality between the fans, between the players, the environments. It was always, I've been to West Point for one Rutgers game. Um, and it was 
a really enjoyable time. And then all the people that, you know, have come down for the different games and we had them in our stadium, have always been great fans. And, and so when the cadets, when we, they used to bring the whole core at one time, you know, now they don't, you know, I don't do that as much anymore, but at that time they would bring like the whole school because we were so close and they'd be walking through the lots. We would be giving people food. It was, you know, just a good party time and a good enjoyable time between, between the schools. And that was always nice. So, I mean, Overall, I I have to say that I'm happy the season has started for for college football. I think it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, with Dion shaking up the 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 rankings and and getting some big wins in Alabama, going through what looks like to be a little bit of a development year for them as far as programs can call themselves development years when they're still that good. I mean, it'll be interesting as the season you know wears on and see who rises to the top and who falls off. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, for me, not so much on like the the New Year's Bowl and like playoff. I I just love I love bowl games. That's my huge thing. Bowl games are the heart of college football. So just seeing the bowl races shape out, I always get excited late October when that happens. And we'll talk later on about where Rutgers may fit in that. I don't want to jinx anything, like I said <laughs> before. But uh, but yeah, like the I, I do miss the Rutgers Army games. It, it's just funny. Like the last time, the last time that we that our two schools played, twenty fifteen. I remember. I remember I was getting back from football practice in New Mexico. So, I mean, I I had already missed like the, the game by the time we, time we got back from a Saturday morning practice, like game was like already like mid third quarter. So I already missed most of it. And like, it just, it didn't occur to me. Like that was all, that was like in the, that was in the, the dark years of army football. I mean, early on in coach Jeff Munkin's tenure, I think they went two and 10 that year with a loss to Fordham, but you know, the Rutgers game at that moment, it didn't register that, 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 that was the last time we were seeing like that rivalry probably for like the long-term future. Cause I, I don't think that Rutgers is dodging anyone. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think, I think if they, if they had the space to play army and Navy, they would, it's just, it's just tough well, in the state. And, and definitely the, the triple options that were being run, right. Obviously with the change in the rules now, it's a little bit different in, in the offenses and, and both schools have had to adjust and go away from that. But, you know, Shiano, used to say in the past that if you look at team's record after they get done playing the triple option the week before they're under 500 you know he he you know he he never didn't like playing the academies but certainly it was it it was it was a lot of abuse on the kids right it's just a physical game to have to play you know on your defense to have to play that offense and a, a lot to prepare and a lot to deal with and i think you know, once they moved into the Big Ten, it's like I got to deal with Ohio State, I got to deal with Michigan, I got to deal with Penn State. Like, I-, I can't deal with this this other pesky thing that you know is just going to wear my team down, and I have to spend all this extra time. Because Rutgers, um, I mean, Shiano, after Paul Johnson embarrassed him in '04 when they just completely destroyed Rutgers, he changed his whole philosophy on how to prepare for triple option teams, and they started when they knew they were going to play. And a triple option team like that, they would do every practice. They would spend 10 minutes on it from the beginning of camp until they got to that game because they knew they couldn't just prepare for it in a week. And I think that's part of what went into it because that's the problems that that, that kind of offense caused. I mean, Munkin, you know, and that's one of the reasons why he leaned on it as well. It was a great offense for the personnel that they had. And I think, you know, hopefully they can find a way to play again somehow because i think regionally it's good for the region to have those two schools play each other um i think and also you know not for the best reasons but also the memorable game in, in 2011 when eric legrand you know got hurt i was at that game and was like right in front of it i mean the whole stadium just kind of shut down you could see both sidelines 
you know, shut down. And it was, that was also one which kind of binds the schools. And in some ways it's probably like if that was going to happen at a game, it's almost like a blessing that it was against a school, you know, like West Point for that to happen. Cause that's the right kind of kids and the right kind of fans, you know, for, for that kind of thing. And that was something that anybody who was there would never forget. And, you know, we appreciated the way, you know, army responded to, to him you know, post that. And so I think that also shows about the two schools and kind of the class between them. And I think the respect the fan bases have between each other. Um, although, you know, I'm sure the academies, wherever they go, they get pretty, pretty respectful from everybody, but certainly, Not you know, Syracuse. being in a, <laughs> from what I heard, <laughs> I've been up there to the dome, but not for Rutgers. I've been there for, because <laughs> As much as I'm a big Rutgers guy, <laughs> all my really good friends went to Syracuse. My best man at my wedding went to Syracuse. Two other guys at my wedding went to Syracuse. Another guy went to Syracuse. So I, I went up there with them, and I, and I could see that, actually. Uh, I, I almost wanted to call them like a a, a better red West Virginia. <laughs> no. Because they were they were also pretty nasty to us as well, the West Virginia fans. Um my friends got cursed out in a diner trying to have breakfast before Rutgers, West Virginia oh, wow. by a guy who was about 80 years old. And they were like, we're just getting eggs, man. Like, well, we don't know what the problem is. <laughs> and we were, you know, and that's when we weren't very good. You know, we used to be surprised. Like people get so, you know, we go to a away game and people screaming at us and we're like, you know, we're not good. Right. Like <laughs> we don't understand why you're screaming at us. I mean, I remember a guy in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think he, he was yelling at us for about 10 minutes and I just walked over to him. And I was like, is there something we can help you with? <laughs> you know, did, <laughs> do you need something from us? Because we know we're not good at football. We're here to enjoy the day, you know? And then the people around us started getting on our own side. The other pit fans were like, leave them alone. We're like, just here. We're just enjoying the day, having a beer, Heinz Field. So, you know, but it, it was, it's nice to now grow, but then getting into the big 10, it's like, we went back to the same thing. We're like, yeah, now, we finally learned how to play level against a South Florida, a Louisville, a Syracuse, a Pittsburgh, and then it completely changed. And the school had to go back to square one and rebuild itself to say, what does it take to compete at this level now? Like now your peer is Ohio State. Now your peer is Michigan. So what are you going to do to get better? And so now it's been like, yeah, we've had to struggle through that and, you know, coaching mistakes being made, you know, and that's not to... Chris Ash was a very nice guy, but obviously it wasn't the right fit. And it was a job that, you know, wasn't good for him because yeah. the results speak for themselves. And I think, unfortunately, though, that undid a lot of the build that Shiano did. I mean, we could I think we could have weathered what happened between uh, Greg leaving and Kyle being uh, fired. The program, you know, it had gone to a bowl the year before he was fired. It wasn't that, you know, non-competitive, but it needed some help. But it was just a, you know a rapid decline after that. And, you know, Greg has now had to build the program back up from scratch to try to be competitive. And I think, you know, we've seen glimpses of it here and there. Um, and I think this year's, you know, two good performances in the first two weeks, you know, we have another opponent that is, I know Virginia Tech's not been the Virginia Tech of old, but there's still a, a power five program. There's still a bunch of talented kids on that roster. They're not, you know, without guys who can't make plays. So it's, it'll be another test to see how far have we come, but you know, I mean, being in the big 10, yeah, it's, it's, it's been one where we've had to start to look at ourselves again and say, okay, how do we need to improve to start lessening the gap? 
because I think people don't realize Maryland came in with a lot more money and a lot more cachet than we did. And, you know, certainly Loxley's done a good job since um, he's gotten there. But as a school, as an athletic department, they were ahead of us big time. And so, you know, we've had to not just fix football, but we've had to fix like every sport at the school to play and to compete in the Big Ten. And just football is the one that people see the most. But, you know, we've done a lot of good work, but in football is where it's still falling, falling short. And that, you know, this is now a season where we're now want to see the progress. Right. So I, I know the yeah. B word. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. But certainly, right, we want to start seeing the progress of, you know, what it was to where it needs to be over these last, you know, three seasons um, that Greg that Greg's been at the helm. Although I kind of call it the first season of 2020 is almost like a, a half a season. You know, there was no spring ball. There was no proper camp. The games were weird for everybody. You know, some teams showed up with half a team because the other half was quarantined. So I kind of almost look at like 2020 as an aberration and really like this is Greg's real third third year at the helm in, in building the program and and trying to get it on a, a competitive level, at least with, let's say, the teams that are from four to eight in, in, in the East Division and then in the West Division, try to be competitive as you can up and down the line because the West Division is a little... They're good football teams. It's just they're not Ohio State, you know, Penn State and Michigan in a row, which is what you end up all the East teams have to deal with. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think um, I, I guess you know better than I would. I think uh, the administration has a longer leash for Shiano, which I mean, it's warranted. Um, but I mean, I'm excited for what you guys can do. I mean. I, I don't like any program being viewed as a laughing stock for uh, college football. I, I enjoy parody as I'm sure most real college football fans yep. do. But um, you mentioned Virginia Tech and uh, that's, that's the first topic. I mean, you hit on it a little bit. I mean, a power, power five team, but last week you guys beat Temple decisively, which I mean, the past few games against Temple, I, I've been really surprised oh. by results because Temple's just, they, they're, they're, they're on the up climb too. They're, they're, they're climbing up. Uh, after after you know being at the bottom a little bit, they have you know EJ Warner, good young quarterback. But you guys have blown them out the past few years, and now you have another former Big East cohort in Virginia Tech. So as a Rutgers fan, and I know you guys scheduled Syracuse as well in 2021. So yeah, as a as a Rutgers fan, are you enjoying the Big East nostalgia? Do you want that I, a constant staple of the schedule? Well, I have to say, I did. I mean, personally, I really enjoy us playing um, Temple to a degree, because I think it's good for both programs in, in the regional aspect, right? I mean, we're 45 minutes from Philadelphia, so plenty of our fans can go down there. Their fans can come up. I think that's good, you know, for, for Eastern football um, and, to, and to keep and kind of still keep that. And also, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I always, I never hated Temple. I always looked at them as like almost a brother and like we're both struggling through the 90s here and just getting our heads kicked in by these different schools. And then, you know, we'd play each other for like, at least one of us has to win a game, right? In this, this conference, like, it's, you know, like, cause for all the ineptitude we put on ourselves, it was like their administration was like, oh, we should do the same thing they're doing and just be just as inept as they are at what we're doing here, you know? And then finally, you know, for us, Greg moved us in the right direction. I think for them, they're admit, you know, with the Big East kicking them out, really hurt them and it took them a while but when al golden came in um who i actually 
played Pop Warner in the same organization with him and played. Well, he, he, I was two years behind him in school. He was from my hometown, except he went to Red Bank Catholic instead of the public school. He kind of took Shiano's playbook to build Temple into a winner and kind of, you know, the same kind of mantras. And so I think it's been good for both schools. And yeah, I think like defensively, we've really controlled them. I mean, we blew them out in 2021. In 2022, they really didn't score many points. We just didn't score many points. And, you know, this week, we also had a strong defensive performance. I think last year was a bit of an aberration offensively to some degree because we didn't have a quarterback, right? We Gavin Wimsack got hurt, I think, on his second series of that game. And then Evan Simon was the only quarterback healthy for the rest of the game. So they really struggled offensively. Um, but what I saw, and I think is the growth in in that with the team in, in, in the game with Temple is they really controlled most of that game. You just kept waiting for them to finally make that play. Like there have been a bunch of different chances in the previous three quarters before the fourth quarter where we should have had two picks already and we dropped them or we should have broke that play and we we just it was one step too slow or we and I'm I'm gonna say you know we got a few penalties that I would say are a little bit questionable at certain points about whether those were really good calls that kept Temple drives alive that we should have got the ball back and maybe we been able to drive it down. So finally it just kind of broke, like all the pressure, all the, the drops finally just kind of worked out. And then once we got a couple of breaks, we just kind of took control and wore them down. I think that's the difference you see certainly in the growth is a big 10 program should, you know, hopefully wear down, you know, uh, you know, other, what do we call them anymore? A group of fives, groups of six. I don't even know how many conferences are left, but the, you know, I, I hate using those terms because I feel like it, 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 it's an insult to say someone's not a power five. Like there's some good football players and good football teams in, in all those conferences. So, but, you know, you would hope that you would eventually your talent level, if you're playing in the big 10 against one of those teams, that's where it should show up in the fourth quarter that you've maybe not done as well, but let's take control, let's execute, let's wear them down, let's make the plays we're capable of. And I think that happened, and that's like the positive steps in the development that you look for is were you able to step up and, and put a team that's quote-unquote, you know, less than you away. And so now, you know, we look at Virginia Tech, right, and turn our attention. They're a good team, you know, with a lot of talented kids. They've had some they definitely got injuries coming into this week. They got their starting quarterback banged up. So now everyone's fretting on the Rutgers side about, we don't know what's going to happen because we, we like to make uh, every backup quarterback a star. So <laughs> for us, we, we'd much rather have the, 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 the starting guy. It seems whenever the backups come in against us is they have the greatest games of their lives. Um, but they're definitely their, their top receiver uh, hurt his ankle in the Purdue game is out for the year. And another guy, who was, I think, the second receiver is also banged up, and they may not have him. A tight end is banged up, a safety's banged up, a, a defensive tackle is banged up. Um, another guy that is just listed as an athlete, um, you know, so I'm not sure I, I didn't be able to watch their whole game. I just saw the highlights. I'm not sure how much of a bigger role, but you know, when listening to Shiano's press conference, you know, he's still. He's still Greg, which is everybody is Alabama and everybody's got quality guys. And so it's hard to get a read, but he'll never be overconfident. But, you know, just looking, I, I'm never overconfident because I'm like, they're still Virginia Tech. Like there's still a core to that that team that can play football. I mean, I, I thought Justin Fuentes was going to be a great hire for them. I thought he had done really well at Memphis. I was super surprised when they didn't flourish under him. 
because you know they were obviously being handed over with a, a solid base of a solid team. I, I just don't know what went wrong, but somewhere you know Virginia has a ton of athletes, a ton of good football players come from that area, and they're full of them. So you know, I I sit here you know saying, hey, you know, we're a better football team, but this is one of those games we really need to go out and, and see how good we are because I feel like that that's a a team that also just gets regular respect from the national media that, you know, Virginia Tech, they might have trouble, but they've built enough, I want to call it brand equity, you know, with with talking heads, you know, that that's a game that I think for us, we need to go out and win, you know, and I think where for us is going to be seen as, you know, are we able to do the kind of football we've been playing the first two weeks of the year, which has been control it on offense and have a extremely aggressive defense that's been able to to stop people. I, I noticed in the Virginia Tech, they did not get a lot of yards on the ground their first two weeks. So they had to go to the air. So we'll see whether that changes with some of these injuries, you know, and how we prepare, but, you know, stopping the run has been our strength on D. So, you know, maybe that's going to play into it. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree. I mean, Virginia Tech, like you said, I mean, I, I'm not sure either what went wrong with the Fuente. I mean, it seems like the key, I mean, early on, I thought there, there are signs of them being there to stay, I know they went to the ACC title game in 2016 and they continue to kind of linger around as like a very, I'd say probably like top four or five ACC, ACC team. Now, of course, they're trying to pick up the pieces with like Brent Pry uh, now. But I mean, like you say, like there's like there's like there's non-conference games that aren't that are like blockbusters, like program defining like this one against Virginia Tech. It's uh, I think it's for Rutgers to be viewed, I guess, in a more positive light where it's like, oh, like Rutgers beat Virginia Tech. That, that's that's nice. That's a surprise to being, you know, Rutgers expects to win games against other Power Five conferences, against other, I guess, peers, because Virginia Tech is a, a mid-level. I mean, they, they can go six and six. I don't think they will, but that's a team that, you know, is, you know, I, I'd say a mostly consistent bowl team um for Rutgers to beat schools like that and you know not the Northwesterns of power five conferences I mean I think that's a huge step for that so yep I think I think that's the we have to start putting the barometer on your program is saying okay are we are we competitive and are we winning games against you know other teams that are in there not necessarily one or two of their leagues but they're in that next mid-level of of the leagues they're in that kind of good band, I'd call it, as opposed to the elite band, right? So you go to the Pac-12, right? You, you know, you have your couple of elite teams, but then you have your teams in the middle. You know, you go into the Big 12, it's the same thing where it's like, yeah, there's a couple of teams here which are just super duper teams, but then the rest is this is where it sits. Like, that's where we need to start seeing ourselves be competitive and not worry about, you know, how are we going to match up against the top end of somebody? So I think this, at a conference this year, works out well for that. You kind of play a, a team in Temple that's local, that is building itself to get better. You're playing a team in Virginia Tech that, you know, you can have as a bit of a barometer and then you get one breather of a game with Wagner, you know, as you start to head into the the meat and grind of what's the Big Ten schedule. So, and, and you know, being a nine-game league, you know, that's all we can afford. You know, other leagues still sticking with the, the eight and the four model, you know, can pad in there. So, for us, you know, having to play nine Big East games, you kind of do need a breather game somewhere in there. So I know people jump on it like, oh, you play Wagner, but it's like, yeah, but, you know, I have to play Penn State and Michigan State and, 
Ohio State and Michigan, whether I like it or not. So I'm going to take a Wagner game so I can get a little bit of a, a breather in there and hopefully not have anybody get hurt and get a win. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think also, too, I feel like, like you say, like the whole middle echelon, I feel like for Rutgers to carbon niche is kind of like a, a another Purdue in the conference where Purdue consistently goes to bowls yep. but can beat anyone at any time. I mean, we've seen them upset Ohio State, and we've seen them up here in the Big Ten's howdy game last year. I think that's a pretty good niche for Rutgers to carve in the Big Ten. Yeah. I think our goal that from the fans is we all want that signature upset win. Like we want that moment of like we should never have won this game that we won in this conference against somebody who's elite in this conference. The way Purdue, you know, every once in a while, Purdue's going to beat an Ohio State, right? Or if Wisconsin is the the top dog going on, they 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 get they bang a win out, you know. And that's what I think we're trying to get to now in this conference. Which you know, we beat Michigan that very first year, but that was a very bad Michigan team. So yeah. for us, it was a big thing just because you know it was our first season in the league and it was just a big thing just to have Michigan even in Rucker Stadium so it was just a, a huge moment but you know nobody really looked at it as that like that huge significant upset we're waiting for that moment where like yeah Ohio State is you know seven and oh or seven and one and they just have that bad day where we play well because we're good enough at this point to play well enough to to pull an upset you know so I think that's the next level after this level that you have to get to this consistent medium level to be able to be good enough to then get that signature upset because when you're down here in this league, it's never going to happen. You're never, you know, unless like half the team gets COVID and they, they keep them home because it's just, it's just not going to happen. Like they're, they're too good. They're too deep. You know, you have to raise your game to at least a certain level. I, 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 I apologize. I can't remember if Michigan's uh, Michigan, if Maryland's had that yet in the time they've been in the league, I don't think they have had that one yet. I think they've had a couple that almost went that way. And then, it slipped away from them, but you know, they're getting close, you know? Yeah. So for us, that's kind of the next step we need to take after we kind of build ourselves into a consistent. And I think, you know, that's where the program needs to get to. And I think that's for any, any program within its conference needs to look at itself that way to say, you know, the, my low point needs to be in the middle. I can't, you know, that's where we have to build our, our quality base, whether you're in the AAC, ACC, Big Ten or whatever, you know, you you have to build a program that your down years, you're six and six, or you're seven and five. Your down years can't be two and ten, right? Nice. That can't be where you where you're, you know. And then your best years are only at six and six. And for us, it's going to be very tough, right? And especially in the evolving Big Ten to get to that point. But that's where I think you have to focus and you have to recruit to and have to try to develop and 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 go for it. If you're going to, right, we signed up for this, right? We signed up to be yeah, in the Big Ten. So you need to then play to that level and, and have that mindset to play to that level. So, you know, that I, I will say that one, one good thing from Chris Ash, you know, somebody asked him about the schedule and he said, well, Someone at this school thought it was a good idea to join the Big Ten, so this is a schedule you're going to get. So, and that's the truth, right? We we join this league, we're in this league. You know, there's no whining, no complaining. You you got to go out and do the things you need to do to build a program to compete. Absolutely. I mean, I, I never knew you said that, but that is an all-time quote. I I, I like that. I mean, because um, what else can you do at that point? You're not the athletic director. You're the coach. Uh, but speaking of progress, I know we uh we we threw on the B word before we went live, uh, or started recording. And with the win against Virginia Tech, which seven point favorites, again don't want to jinx it. Uh, at home, um, uh, three and zero is a, a great 
launch pad to to yeah. a bowl game. Uh, so I want to ask as a Rutgers fan, which uh, which bowl game would you want to see the the Scarlet Knights playing? I, I have a feeling I know your answer. Um, and you, I guess you'll see after this weekend if Rutgers wins, which bowl I'll slot them in. But just want to ask you, like, what what's the most ideal bowl for for Rutgers? To I think play one in? of the nights always. I think the Gasparilla, which is in, I think that's a, the one in Tampa. I mean, definitely yeah. we want warm. Like we want to. I mean, okay. listen, nothing against Yankee Stadium, but we've been there and. <laughs> We've been there and done that twice, right? And and we've even played Army in, in Yankee Stadium, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, nothing against it, but, you know, that for us, we, we want something. Detroit, the quick lane, we we have been there. And, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with Detroit. There's nothing wrong with Windsor across the bridge. But certainly being in northern people, we, you know, we, we'd prefer not to take our bowls to Detroit if we could. I think we definitely would like to get somewhere warm. I think that's most Rutgers fans. And if we could be Florida, even better, because there's a lot of New Jersey people, a lot of Rutgers people that live in Florida or down, you know, down in South Florida, at least, you know, so anything that either way, Orlando, like I went to the Gator Bowl when we, you know, got there by accident and it was still, you know, Rutgers people coming out to go and see and go and enjoy. So I think something to that effect would, would, would probably be in our best interest, you know, but the big 10 slots, it gets a little tricky, you know, with, with where you end up, you know, three and O and you say, okay, you got Wagner that puts you at four and O you have to find two more wins to get out of this thing. And then it's like, so where are your wins going to come from? So kind of look at the schedule and you say, well, I got Wisconsin and Iowa from the Western division, you know, Luke Fickle's a great coach. So that's going to be very difficult game. Iowa also great coach. The question is, you know, will we be able to score points? Because, you know, that's, you know, we had them last year. We could have beat them last year. You know, we played a great game and we gave them, I think, two two turnovers for touchdowns and lost that game by 13. So, you know, it's a team that's not leaps and bounds ahead of us. But then you say, okay, fine. So now look in your division. It's Maryland, it's Indiana, it's Michigan State. Those, right? So out of those five, how do you find two? Chances are Indiana is a school you look at to say, Hey, there's a game we can win, but Tom Allen's no dummy. And that team, yeah, had a rough year last year, but the year before they beat us pretty good. So you can't sit on your laurels. Obviously, we get Maryland as the last game of the year. I feel like the last two years, when we've we've had to play Maryland as the last game. We're limping into that game with a lot of injuries, a lot of getting beat up, and we just haven't played well because of it. If we need a six win when we get into that game, it may be a different story because there's really something to play for that day. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, I feel like, you know, their quarterback is an excellent quarterback. And so it's not it's not easy to beat them. And then it comes down to Michigan State, which is in turmoil. So, right. yeah. you know, how much will that affect the team? Won't affect the team. Um, for us, it's homecoming. I don't know how much that really swings from a player's perspective, but certainly from a, a fan's perspective, there'll be plenty of people there to to watch the game. So, but, you know, that's one where you're like, oh, well, if Tucker's not there, you know, is the team going to be unfocused or just not doing everything they should be doing? So I feel like, you know, if we get out of September four and one, you know, cross your fingers, knock on wood. I feel like there's an opportunity to get to six and theoretically even maybe a seventh. They really stay healthy and play, play above themselves, but you know, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan, you know, those are three games that I, 
as much as I love my school and I love the program and I, I do believe in what Coach Yano is doing, all three of those programs are still just so far ahead of, of where we are that for us to win any one of those games is really going to be more of a just, you know, God blessed us that day because he had yeah. nothing else to do. <laughs> you know, like it, they're just really good teams. And I mean, I, and as a Rutgers guy, you know, I don't like Penn State. I, you know, you know, while they may consider us a rival, I, I, I always have hated Penn State growing up, <laughs> you know, and, but I, I, I'm not so filled with hate that I can't admit what's in front of me, which is they are a good football team right. and they're, they're going to be extremely difficult for us to, to stay with, let alone, you know, have a chance to beat. And that's just reality. So when you know, you will, you look at your schedule and you're like, loss, loss, loss. Well, now you're down to nine games and out of nine games, you can't afford to lose more than three of those. You know, it becomes tough, but I feel like the last two weeks have been positive. And if we play similar fashion, this week as to those weeks actually play very complete games, win the game in a way where you're like, we weren't lucky. Like we were the better team. I, I think, I think it's, it's something that's worth um, actually, you know, looking at to say, yes, we, we can do this. Like it's going to be work. It's not a gimme. We're not just going to walk to six or seven wins, but we are now playing, you know, and competing at a level where we can get to six or seven wins. And I think that's, that for the fan base is good. I think it's good for recruiting. I think it's good just, you know, and, and I think it's good for the conference, right? As, as much as, um, you know, people want to beat people, it's it's not good to have teams that are just always bad in your conference. You want to have that ups and downs. It's just better overall. The parity that you, you spoke about earlier um, is is good for the conference. I think it would be good for, for the Big Ten for us to do better and to be competitive and be in bowls. It, it just looks better for everybody. And, you know, I think that's that's a step that we need to take, you know, and hold up our end of the bar again and being part of the conference. And then as it expands, it's just going to get tougher. So, right, yeah. you know, because, I mean, why not bring in Washington, you know, USC, UCLA, and Oregon to, to, to go against as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, holding up your end of the bargain, which I think you guys will in due time. Uh, it's funny for like for my bowl projection. There, there's a bowl for Rutgers to go. To. I I do believe the Big Ten powers that be, and I do believe that the Pinstripe Bowl would want Rutgers to stay at home. I know, well, it, and I'll like, be there. Like, I'll be there, but I'll be there. And as much as I don't want to go, I will be there, <laughs> sitting there, and I will be dragging, you know, at least my wife and and some others with me. I don't know if my my father's now 84. Uh, it's a little bit of heart condition, so I don't know if a December game and and the Bronx will be in the cards for him, but the weather holds, he'll be there too, because, you know, we love our team. Right. And so, but yeah, I mean, listen, we know that that's kind of a homegrown situation for us because they know they can sell the tickets. Um, it's good for them locally advertising and, and, you know, we, we don't have anything against it, but you know, we've just been there enough where it's like, you know, we want to do something because we as fans want to do it, but for the players, you know, for them, they want to play a bowl game. They don't care where it is. So I, I, you know, if that's the bowl, then good for them. You know, I, I applaud them, you know, and to me, that wouldn't be a disappointment. You know, I wouldn't look at the bin, the pinstripe as a disappointment. I'd look at that as success, right? Because Stuart Mandel two weeks ago said that we don't even belong in the conference, right? So if we, if we, if we make a bowl game on our own accord, you know, then, then I, I don't have a problem where it is, you know, but if I could get a suntan while I'm at it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so like for me it's like I, the way i see it I see it playing out where it's like the the one bowl that would really want you guys is the pinstripe bowl but otherwise i would see 
of Bulls Bowl Rutgers being passed around the Big Ten Bowl partners like a party cheese tray, where it's like you know no like I mean so I I, I see it. But we be... spend money. But that's the thing though. If you look at our record though, we spend money when we go to places that you know Rutgers is a our alumni base is a is a well educated you know higher earning base right and this is no offense to certain other areas right but it's just a fact right wages in this area compared to other areas are higher. So when we travel, we spend money and that's been proven, you know, at the places we've gone that, you know, we, we add into the economy. We're not, we're not there on the cheap. So, you know, I would say to some of those places, like, Hey, we come down, we spend money in your, in your city. Like, you know, we're not rolling up in our RVs and camping out. Like we're from New Jersey. We're staying in hotels. We're eating out dinners. You know, we're spending money in bars. Like we're putting money out into the economy, you know, if you bring us in and, that's the one thing we don't do if you take us to the pinstripe because we're all living in our house when we go to the pinstripe. So, you know, we pay the toll, we park in the decks and we or hop on and hop on the subway and we we watch the game. So, you know, for them, they want the ticket sales when they bring us for that. But for other cities, you know, I would say that, you know, that's one thing we do have over some other schools is, you know, we have a more affluent, you know, we're not Stanford graduates or or Yale, but, you know, certainly the, just the income base of our area you know, does bring money to, to the thing. And we, we travel well to our bowls. We have done that, you know, as well. We're, we're not, you know, skimp on, on going. And that's probably because we haven't had that many to go to. So the fan base, when it, ha when it happens is energized to want to go and want to attend. I think, you know, the Gator is the, obviously the anomaly because when you get named seven days before the bowl game during Christmas and it's on new year's Eve, it's a little tougher to get people to down to Florida from New Jersey. Um, if all in all truth, my daughter was the one who was like, let's just do it. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll do it. So I'm like, we went down and we just, you know, came in, flew in the day, the night before went to the game, got up the next day, flew right back out. But, you know, I wasn't the only one doing that. There was quite a few people that just did it for the heck of it. And I think that's a good representation of us as a fan base, you know, to rally around that and do it. But I think, um, pitch stripes, a good place. I mean, you know, plenty of Yankee fans in, in this area. The Met fans yeah. kind of hold their nose when we go to when we would play in Yankee Stadium, but <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. That's yeah. that's the iniquity in New Jersey. You know, we, we can all be there to root for Rutgers and and at the same time we're on the opposite ends of stuff. In fact, you're a USFL guy and this is a USFL story, but one of the most brutal fights I've ever seen in my life was in Giants Stadium at a USFL generals game between a Islanders fan and a Rangers fan and this is when the Islanders were at the height of their uh you know powers in the NHL so you know here you got two fans both here to root for the same team brawling with each other over opposite ends of the hockey so you know we're kind of like as much as we're all cheering for Rutgers at the same time we're like Rangers versus Devils Yankees versus Mets Jets versus Giants Knicks Nets I mean, and then you add the guys from South Jersey into the stadium and you got Eagles, Flyers, Sixers. I mean, it's it's a it could be a real mess at times <laughs> if you're not all concentrating on the team you have in common. So it's it's all good. It's all good. But I, I agree with you. You know, if we make a bowl, you could pretty much pencil the pinstripe is it, it'll be there no matter what. Right. Yeah, I think also too, like uh, in the scenario you guys don't get the pinstripe, I, I I do say the quick lane or guaranteed rate in the lower end, which like some some more warm. Like I've been in the guaranteed rate bowl twice. I mean Chase Field is is still called Chase. Yeah, Chase Field is 
it, it's it's an okay ballpark. It's not the best, but it's it's a comfortable place to watch a and, game. And that's what was the insight bowl when we went in 05, right. you know, right there at Chase Field in Phoenix. And we had a great time. I went to that game. It was a great time. You know, it's it's an awkward field for sure. Yes. You know, <laughs> to play to play a football game in, but you're in you're in Arizona, you know, in December. So kind of like you're like, hey, who cares? Let's just have some fun. Let's just have some football. And I think most bowl games are like that once, you know, you're not in the playoff implications at that point, right? Like if you're not playing in the playoffs, this is about having a good time and enjoying it and, and just let's have some fun and let's all get out of here healthy and just have a good, a good game. So, you know, I think, I think, and I think probably that's why you like bowl games. I like bowl games. It's just, it's just a good time to have more football and just have some, you know, coaches a lot of times let things hang out in bowl games and take chances. And it's a more wide open time for teams and you know they're there to see their seniors off that are not uh you know load managing before the nfl draft now and and just en- enjoying it so i've always yeah i mean i remember being a, a little kid with on new year's day i'd have three tvs in the living room so we could watch as many games as possible at the same time you know back in the day and it would just be an all-day affair of you know chili and and football and just watching one bowl game after another and it was just i i still enjoy it Exactly. I mean, I feel like, um, like I guess our discussion reminds me of, I, I know that there's a study that bronze medal winners are happier than silver medal w- winners, where it's just like, for us, it's like, there's no national title, there's no heartbreak, except if it's like, for me, I think the most heartbreak broken I've been over a bowl was uh, the Liberty Bowl, when like, like you said, for 2021, the Rutgers Gator Bowl, you're like, the let's do it for me. I remember like, I remember like at the kitchen table with my mom, because like, that was the first time I'd visited uh, my family like that semester because I mean they live in New Mexico that's how it always was but I told I told them about my mom and I mean this also it also played into the fact that because of the pandemic and they took away our spring break uh, we had a longer Christmas break a month and I was like I told mom like this game's in 12 days and I'm like Army's never gonna go to the Liberty Bowl again like I, I, got, I gotta do this so yep. I was heartbroken over that one but otherwise like just seeing Army play in a bowl game I mean like in 2021, our last bowl, like um, when we beat Missouri on the game-winning field goal, like I mean, man, like treated that like it was the national championship. But it's just like, you know, it, it's our bronze medal. <laughs> well, my, you know, but that's an extremely true statement because you know, I, my son played hockey. We were at a tournament in Lake Placid. We made the bronze medal game, and one of the other parents said, "He goes, the bronze medal is a good game because." you're happy if you win. He goes, you know, you play in the gold medal game and you lose, you're just dejected the entire time. He's like, at least this game, it's like you finish fourth, you're like upset, but it's not the end of the world. So, you know, and I think that's like most of those bowls, it's the same thing. If you if you lose it, you're like, ah, I wish we could have won, but it's not the end of the world. This was a good time, you know? So I think it's a, it's a pretty good uh, analogy, you know, to say, yeah, like most of the, if it's not the playoffs, they're all bronze medal games. And Hey, you know, we lost. It's fine. But if we win, you know, we're really happy because we got something out of it. It's just a good time, you know. And in fact, I mean, I was so desperate to see Rutgers win, win a, a bowl game when they went to the Texas Bowl. My I couldn't go that because my wife was due with my daughter and she actually went into labor during the game. And she delayed going to the hospital so I could finish watching the game to see Rutgers finally win a bowl game. And then we went to the hospital. So... You know, that's the kind of woman you got to find and marry who can understand the 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 sickness that you have for your team and for the, and for watching. But but I finally got to see my lifelong dream from when I was a little kid to see Rutgers win a bowl game, 
you know, and then my daughter was born and my wife was more angry because me and the two other doctors were spending more time talking about the Rutgers game than, than paying attention to her at that moment while she was in labor. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, college football, just it's a passion and it's, and it's, it's a different thing. I think NFL passion, you know, pro passion, there's just a, a you know, these types of games just bring a different kind of joy and, and reason for watching where I think the NFL, it's, it's, doesn't have that same thing. There's no bronze medal game in the NFL. You know, it doesn't work that way, but you get that in college football. And I think that's one of the really great things of being a fan of it and being able to root for your team in, in those kind of games, because it meant something to you, right? Yeah. Where in the NFL, that would have just been week 17 and, you know, let's just wrap it up and move on where like, it's like, no, I, I, I'm so excited to watch us win this game and play in this game. And I think that's, what's great about the sport. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. And plus like, I mean, no other sport are you, like, incentivized to, like, you know, watch your team or take a vacation to watch your team. Because, I mean, you say that about having a good time. Like, um, I think last year we're trying to – my family, you know, that most of the, most of my siblings are older. We're trying to do this this whole family bowl trip thing. Like, last year just started as an excuse for me to – to go to to go see a football game at Petco Park, which I wanted to check off my bu- my bucket list. But I'm like, you know what? I'm sure the family would want to go to San Diego. So, you know, went to SeaWorld and everything. Like, just thinking about that, where it's like, oh, it's like, oh, it sucks. We lost this bowl game. Like, for uh for North Carolina fans last year for the Holiday Bowl, I like to think that they're like, oh man, we lost to Oregon in the final seconds in a game that didn't mean that mean didn't mean much. But hey, at least we get to go to SeaWorld or get to or got to go to SeaWorld. And that's that's what that's what it's all about, I think. You get a great game, you get a good experience, it's a good time, and, you know, the wins and losses don't matter as much as you look back on it. And that's, what I think, what's great about college football for that. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. So on to our last topic. I mean, this has been a mostly positive conversation, and I'm sure I'm – sure, um, I'm sure you you have some positive emotions about the direction of of your conference home, but I want to know we we've seen the perspective. Uh, I mean, at, at least on my end, I've seen the perspective of outside college football fans, fans outside the Big Ten that hate this. Uh, Big Ten fans like you know Michigan, the Ohio States, the Penn States, the Blue Bloods that enjoy this. You know, getting getting these colossal matchups, but. I haven't heard much opinions from Rutgers fans or Maryland fans or Northwestern fans on what's happening in the Big Ten. So I want to know your thoughts from your position as a Rutgers fan. Well, I guess I take it in two parts. So there's football and not football. And I think from the not football, certainly basketball, it'll keep the conference interesting. You know, you have some some good schools. It it makes it um, something we're looking forward to. And I think because we're a little bit more competitive now in basketball, we're we're looking forward to that Olympic sports. It's a little bit fearful because, you know, they've been pretty good juggernauts out West in the Olympic sports. And I think, you know, for us, we're, you know, we're not going to be hit as hard as I think teams like Michigan and Penn state and Ohio state who have, have very good Olympic sports, but may not be at the same level as some of these West coast schools have really dominated at. I think it'll be a rude awakening for them. But when it comes to football, I think we almost laugh a little bit as kind of Rutgers fans about it in the sense of like, one, we can't believe that we're, you know, that if, if conference realignments to Titanic, that we're actually on a lifeboat floating to the California to be rescued like that, you know, uh, because for so long, it's always been like, we, we always end up on the short stick that for once we could just sit back with like our, or just just be quiet and just be like, let it sort itself out. We're fine. We we got no problems here. But I think what we're all looking at it is, can we get good enough in time to when we have to start playing them to be competitive that it's not so stark? That 
I think UCLA, obviously Chip Kelly's a, a good coach, but they're not a juggernaut yet under him, but who knows where that's going to be two years from now. Obviously, USC likes to spend money and fill every hole, and then that's the end of that. They can do it. And, you know, he can recruit offensively at least. Um, Washington's, a, you know, Chris Peterson built it back into an extremely good program, and it's it's doing very well right now. And then Oregon has Phil Knight money behind it. It's never going to really drop down. They can always afford. And in this era of NIL, that's where we get the biggest concerns because these are places, you know, that have some of these places have the money to to build themselves that we can't like they can buy players, you know, plain and simple. Like, and I, I hate that. I have to even say that because, you know, I am not against players earning money for their name, image, likeness at all. But the lack of parity that it will create in the way it's being approached is not, in my opinion, is not good for the sport. And certainly it's not good for a school like ours, which can't ever compete if it's just going to be about spending money. Cause you know, it's just never, we're never going to catch up in that. And so then it becomes, I could take two steps forward, but there are 10 steps forward every time because they have way more money. And that that's where I think we're all afraid is that if if it was just about coaches and administrations making good hiring decisions and giving them facilities and things like that, we felt like we could probably build ourselves. But if it's going to be about like, listen, he can just go out and USC and buy the next quarterback after this quarterback leaves. And like, how are we ever going to compete with them? Like we're never going to compete with them. And I think that's where the trepidation starts to come in is that not only are these good schools coming in, but they're coming in with a lot of money into an environment where they can spend it and they can just outspend us. And, you know, that's where it, it becomes concerning for us as fans about where's our place in this pecking order, you know, and I, I read something interesting in a fan thing where people are like, well, what if they just all broke off the really like top 20 teams broke off and formed their own league, right. Out of all these powers. So, you know, the Vanderbilts and the Rutgers and the Northwesterns and Indiana's get left behind for football, right. Cause we're not good enough and they're going to create their own 20 team league and it becomes right. But then when they have a 20 team league, half of those teams are going to be under 500 because they're playing each other. How are those fan bases going to react when now you're the Rutgers of the 20 of the 20 man league because there ain't no more Rutgers to play right now. You've got, somebody's got to finish last even amongst those 20 teams and not be that good. So it becomes like, well, well then where are we going? Like if that's not the answer, because nobody wants to be number 20. So they need to stay in the leagues. Like what's hat, where are we going to go with this? Like how much bigger is it going to get? How much more money is going to get spent? And so I think we're all looking at it with a lot of trepidation to say, we're looking forward to seeing new schools and playing new schools to a degree and taking trips to those schools. But we're a little concerned about how level the playing field's going to be amongst the schools in this new, this new era. And like, what does that really mean? And that's, I think for us, especially not being a uh, one of those powerful schools, you know, where are we going to fit in five years from now, even if we do everything right? Like, where are we going to fit in? I think that's that's the great unknown that we're just going to have to learn as we go through the journey. Yeah, I I would I de I would definitely agree. I mean, um, that sort of that feeling of fear, I guess. Uh, but like my feeling of fear, I guess, not from a Rutgers perspective, but as an Army fan, is like us as an independent. Like I don't I don't mind. I'm not one of the Army fans. that always talks about the the national sky. In my mind, I call it the national the national program or the national schedule fallacy. Where it's like if we go to the American, it's a national schedule anyway. And it's like even then, it's like what are we doing with this power 
this power that we have, what we're doing with this power that we have is playing programs like no offense to Louisiana Monroe because they they kicked our they kicked our tail week one, but it's like programs that aren't that 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 don't move the needle nationally like Louisiana Monroe. I, I mean, in a few years we have Rice. I mean, I mean, really schedules that like schedules that like as a kid. I mean, I would see programs like you know, um, like Rutgers. Like we we'd play like Big East schools. We'd play ACC schools like. We're not doing that much anymore with our with a no. national schedule. I mean, so that being said, like, I mean, a year like this, like 2023, when we have or 2024 next year, when we'll have, I think, four power conference teams on the schedule with, I mean, including Notre Dame, uh, allegedly at, at Yankee Stadium for the 100th anniversary of the Four Horsemen. But that's that's something that I can go on and on about being excited. But uh, but. You know, games like, you know, games like Syracuse this year, Boston College or Wake Forest and others, like those are just going to disappear um, into thin air, which makes me scared because like what's left for Army fans to be excited for other than Army and Navy um, in this new kind of, like you say, like you said, like Super League college football, like a, you know, top 20 league college football. So that's my fear. Yeah. And I think for anybody who's a, a fan of the game and appreciates the history of the game, Army, you know, Navy, they shouldn't be. They're programs that should be more prominent than they're going to be under that landscape. And I think that that's something that get that's going to get lost. That's just unfortunate to the evolution of where it's gone. I, I mean, Army, it was independent. And it would I almost want to say it was like, you know, you'd have half your schedule would be against recognizable name teams. And then you'd have half your schedule. I'd call the regional side of it, which is not that the teams are no names, but you're going to play us. You're going to play Temple. You're going to maybe go and play um, Holy Cross or maybe, you know, go out to another smaller school in the general vicinity of maybe the East Coast or if there's a base somewhere where maybe they want to try to bring them down to play. But, like, there'd be enough recognizable games on that schedule of of who they were going to play and usually always be, like, one reach game where Navy has the Notre Dame game every year. Army would say, you know, you turn on the TV. One year they're at Ohio State. Next year they're at Oklahoma Next year they're over here and and they're and they're you know doing that and now I just don't see where that like you said I don't see where it all fits in and it's like should it be that way you know is that good for the game you know I I don't I don't think it is I think that's something that that's good that's getting lost somewhere in in all this money you know there's a certain aspect to the enjoyment and the purity of of the game to some degree you know and and certainly. Right, your type of student athlete. Then, when you start saying, "Well, how do you play against these schools when they can do what they can do with NIL, and you're not even remotely, you know, in that ballpark?" It's just not competitive, right? So then, what 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 are you accomplishing with non-competitiveness on top of that? Where, you know, ten years ago it was a, you know, maybe you might win. Chances are, most likely you won't. But there was some sort of competitive balance that you could walk into that stadium and feel like hey on any given day but with the way things are, are shaking out with the transfer portal and, and nil money a school like army and school like navy just gets lost and even air force to some degree you know they're they used to be much more productive yes. and 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 uh a player within their own conference and stuff and even their footballs trailed off a bit in the last five, six years just nationally from where they used to be, you know, under Fisher DeBerry for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. But it's, you know, I, 
everything you need to know about the game is in the sense of we, we change the rules to have less plays, but the games take longer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because we got more ads. So you know who's running it, you know what it's being run about, and you know what the purpose of it is. And and you know, a school like Army doesn't fit into that model. And neither exactly. do we. So it yeah. becomes where's our place five years from now? Who what's what's our role in, in this new landscape? And I think for, for both our schools, it's it's gonna be interesting, but we have to learn and we have to adapt, right? Yeah, and I think that that's all you can do you can't hold on to the past you have to say well what was it roosevelt uh son in in world war ii and on omaha you know we're in the wrong place uh, i guess the war starts here you know like <laughs> that's how we have to approach it as, yeah. as as schools right this is where we are this is where the game has been so you better learn how to adjust and if you want to be successful otherwise pack it up and drop down to to fcs and and go there Exactly. Yeah. Well, well said. I mean, this got to adapt. I mean, whether it's Rutgers and, and whatnot, I'm, I'm sure they will. I mean, you know, the, the money, I feel there's definitely people um, for your school and with the Big Ten that will figure out all the logistical questions that we have and, and everything. And it, it'll all go, I wouldn't say, well, there there will be snags along the way, but they'll, they'll figure it out because it's their job to. Uh, same thing with Army. I mean, we have you know, good athletic department and everything. And like, they'll figure something out, whether it's, whether it's life in the American with only a couple games of freedom, which like the thing for me is I'm just, I'm just tired of playing two FCS teams a year because that just makes it harder to get to a bowl. Like, yep. like, and that, if that, and if that's like, if that is a, a symptom of a national schedule, then I don't want a national schedule where no offense. I love the Patriot league. I mean, I grew up, I grew up 10 minutes away from Holy Cross as a kid. I enjoy the Patriot league and what those schools stand for. But when one of the goals that you accomplish at hand is is you know going to a bowl game, I I just don't get how you can't replace yep. uh, one of the FCS games with a winnable FBS game, and and, yep. and it, I find it hard to believe that there is programs. I mean, maybe it's it'll be easier for us to schedule now that we we don't run the triple option, that people aren't avoiding us like the plague. But you know, I just I just find it hard to believe that you know programs wouldn't want to invite a military academy, especially like yep. programs that struggle with attendance because that's that's free money, but that's just, uh, that's just me venting, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with the, with your take on, uh, I guess, on, on a Rutgers fan stance on conference here alignment. Yep, it's, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, this conversation was interesting, uh, Maddie. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I hope to have you again sometime. Hopefully uh, come awesome. December, we're talking about bowl projections when Rutgers, if when Rutgers hits that six win mark, which I wouldn't count you guys out against Iowa, to be honest with you. I, I really wouldn't. Well, as long as, as long as Brian's calling the offense, you know, I got a shot. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's got to make 25 points a game or he gets fired. He had 20 last week. So he's going to have to find a way to get a few more in. It's not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good at all for him. Um, I don't know if they have an FCS team, but even then when they play FCS teams, that often stalls like the South Dakota State game last year, which I, I can't I still can't believe that's, that's probably one of the greatest defensive performances I've ever seen, at least in Iowa's part. I will which... say that their defense, unbelievable, though. Some well, of the yeah. best tackling I've ever witnessed in, in person last year was by that Iowa defense. Those do you got to tip your cap to, to the quality of that defense? Yeah. Absolutely. So. I mean, and I kind of respect it too. Being old fashioned, just like a team that that's culture is based on defense rather than being a team that you know that because 
in my eyes now, every team throws the ball and scores a lot of points. Like it, th- there's nothing unique to it. A team that plays good defense, that's unique and and enjoyable for real college football fans. Yep. So, so. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's great to uh, talk college football. I look forward to uh, doing it again. And, you know, if you ever do end up out here for uh, Army uh, uh, football game at, at Yankee Stadium, you know, be sure to I can take a trip in for a beer beforehand. And I'll uh, be happy to root for the Black Knights. Absolutely. I, I might take you up on that offer because already I'm just I'm just daydreaming about that. We might get beat by a lot against Notre Dame, but this is I, – I remember telling my girlfriend, I like telling her about it too. It was like she, she was like asking me, oh, it was like, what games are you going to try to go to next year? Because, I mean, I'm beginning to get my, my game allowance cut down a little bit as I save <laughs> for some, li- some life changes, you know, possibly, possibly a wedding in, in the near future. But um, I I I I told her like the story straight from 1924. You know, told her about like hey like some like four four guys were good at running a football and they took a picture on a horse and the rest is history. So that that's the best way I can explain it. The birth of the SID. Exactly, exactly. I mean the birth the birth of pretty much you know myth 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 making in college. Well, not the birth of, but the biggest one of the biggest myth making events in college football. Which like I told I told my friend that too. Like college football is great because myth making is so key. Like it's like why do you think why do you think like debate we still have debates about who won a national title? It's because the myth of if this team would have played this team, then they would have won the title. It's like myth making is central to college football and. The playoffs good and all, but we lose the myth making once the fact is there in front of you. So I agree. I agree. So awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you again, Maddie, for coming on and uh, go Scarlet Knights. All right. Next time, everyone, peace, love, and soul.